Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. Anyways, what's up? What's up, Push Performance Podcast fans? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about yeah, Expo pens. Anyways, today, Julian, this is your first podcast? It is my first podcast. He's got a standing pack on. Who are you? Uh, my name is Julian Codano. Uh, that's not nearly <laughs> loud enough. Um, Julian Kodama. I'm from Seattle, Washington. Sadly. Uh, <laughs> well, I like Arizona more than Seattle. There's nothing wrong with that. He likes the sun versus the, Way the clouds. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, happy to be here. What's your, what do you do? What do I do? I'm yeah. now the director of hitting here at Push as well as a strength coach. That's cool. Welcome. It's pretty cool. Welcome aboard. It's pretty cool. Sounds like a fun gig. It's a pretty fun gig, huh? Yeah. All right, Dalton Carlisle, we're back. We're back. Now we're entering for the throwing set. Let's go. I love having you. I love having you. Huh? Oh, this is my third podcast. This is third podcast. While you're over here bitching about being on a podcast, my guy who's trying to take your job wants the podcast. (laughs) Andrew Amato's back, guys. When was the last time you were on a podcast, Andrew? Andre Jackson was the last one. No way. I swear. Over- the it's listeners crazy. are wanting you to drop bombs on throwing, and you're a smart young man. I don't think you know anything. I don't think I know anything either. <laughs> <laughs> As I tell Julian, I, I throw stuff at the wall and hope it sticks. That's right. a joke, it it works. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not really, though. He got me throwing harder. I did, and he doesn't even throw. So. What'd you do with him? Uh, just explain how the throw works a little bit, and then how does the throw work? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's like an assessment process. <laughs> uh, so the throw is essentially uh, you you know you build. <laughs> <laughs> he right. doesn't know. How do, deep do you want to Deep. This is the podcast. Give our listeners uh information. Okay, so there's a handful of pieces to the throw. Um, we break it down in seven or eight steps, but uh, the way that I look at the throw is a you you build a lot of tension in different parts of the body, and you release that tension at the right time. Okay, if you time that up well, and you're big, strong, powerful, mobile, um, you know the ball is going to come out relatively hard. So that's kind of what we do at push is we try and optimize all of those pieces. Um, and if generally speaking, if you do all of those really really well, um, you're going to throw hard. So uh, on the throwing side, right, we'll we'll kind of just start like like if I'm just looking at Julian throw. Uh, we, we like look at the first move, right? So like his loading phase, so his like first move, basically the leg lift, the drift. Um, check those boxes, make sure those those pieces are moving well. Um, the drift is basically just being able to capture a little bit of momentum out in front of the rubber, so he's not super super stuck on the back leg um, to to begin the unfolding of the throw, right? So um, with that piece, right, we want to optimally load the back leg. Uh, and the pelvis to then descend into the throw. We're getting really deep. In the I like it. I, I'm, just, I'm looking at Dalton's face like this. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. So, so the leg with the curve, you get a little bit of momentum out in front of the rubber. Uh, we, we create some tension in the back leg, rear hip, hips in general. Um, as we begin to descend down the mound, um, we are preparing for foot strike. As the foot begins to hit, uh, we want the pelvis stacked, right? We don't want it tilted up or down, we want it relatively level, um, just because it allows the femurs to rotate uh, in the easiest fashion possible. 
Um, so if you get into a lot of anterior pelvic tilt when you get out of the load phase, um, the femurs have a really, really hard time rotating in their, in their sockets. So um, if the pelvis is loaded properly, um, basically continue down the throw, the front foot hits. Uh, you want the hips relatively open as you get into foot strike. Uh, and then you basically close that gap of that little extra room for where the hips can close. You close that gap, sends energy through the obliques, lower back, mid, mid back, through the, the spine, scaps, et cetera, into the throwing arm. And then the arm propels the ball into the throw. Um, You're smart. I'm not. <laughs> uh, so that's the lower half. That's generally speaking the lower half. The next piece, I guess here's the second piece of the lower half, right, is the lead leg. The lead leg is the thing that stops momentum and transfers energy really, really well. Um, it can be a big factor in throwing the ball hard. Um, basically, like, lead leg, front foot hits the ground. Um, the pelvis then rotates really, really fast and hard into a stable lead leg. Uh, Would you then, call that blocking? Yep, that is the block. Um, okay. Good work. That's a power term. Well, I know that. I'm just, block, this is yes. for the listeners. Yes, that's called the lead leg block, the blocking pattern. Um, as the, the hips begin to rotate into that lead leg, the, the lead leg will generally, if you know, you're handling properly and you're strong enough, stable enough, have the ranges of motion, uh, the lead leg will stiffen up and will send all that energy from the pelvis up through the uh, spine and into the arms. Um, and then basically upper half, main goal of upper half is to, same idea, be mobile enough, powerful enough, elastic enough, strong enough to uh, rotate really, really efficiently, um, segment the spine into a uh, into the arm, or seg yeah, segment the spine uh, into a good position to then apply a lot of, of, of force through the lats, through the pecs, um, and then ultimately mm -hmm. that propels the arm into the throw, and then the rest is, uh, you know, the rest isn't fun to talk about. That's the fun stuff. When you say the uh, segment the spine, mm -hmm. for the listeners, yep. are you talking about flexion, extension, rotation? Yes, but so so yeah, piece by piece, right? Yes. So there's 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 teeth. Okay, so you have you have flexion, extension, you have rotation, right? So you have the general terms. But um, so here's a this is a topic we talked about. A, I don't know with some of the interns a few weeks back. It's like. You can have flexion, extension, rotate really, really well, but if you can't segment the spine kind of piece by piece, um, that can kind of get, it kind of doesn't matter in a yeah. sense. So being able to learn how to, like, it's almost a skill to segment. It's a motor control. Yes, 100%. So, um, and obviously that's really, really hard to do in a throw while you're moving really fast. So there have been a lot of cases where guys have had absurd, you know, back bend tests, right? They have super, super mobile, mobile spines. that can rotate really well, but in the throw, their trunk, looks like a block. Um, and generally what that means is that they just don't either know, well, two options. Number one, um, they don't segment well, right? So that's the skill side of it. Or number two, um, their pelvis is setting them up in a horrible position to then um, segment, right? So it, it can either be a skill-based thing or it could be a positional thing. Uh, like, Well, um, is, it, is it a chicken or an egg with that, right? Is it the pelvis causing the lack of, in, the inability to segment the spine or is it the spine lack of segmentation to allow pelvic control. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, it could be either way, though, because if you compensate really well and, like, the, the, the pelvis is, in, is set up in a really good position and you just straight up don't have the range of motion to even to segment the spine, then probably a spinal thing. But I know it's, it's something not. we've, on our side, Julian, my your side, and 
you've helped on it too. Like you probably noticed like our spinal segmentation programs, right? If guys piece by piece, you know, doing some flexion extension patterns, like literally like from, you know, C4, C5, C6, T1, down, 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 like learning how to go into different positions where a certain thrower, you know, one's on the table over there where he's, you know, he needs, he needs flexion in like C4, 5, 6, right? And then part of his T-spine needs some extension, so, so on and so forth, right? So like knowing how to segment those different patterns and what the, what that spine needs and like how to feel it of like on our end, like what their spine curvature looks like tells a whole, tells a story. Yeah. And then I look at like kind of head posture with that, right? <clears throat> you know, dumping forward head posture. We need, we need to like, how are we going to fix that? Right. We're how we're probably pretty flat T-spine or rounded, sorry, rounded T-spine. Um, you know, it's probably just more T-spine extension work, but without going busting into T-spine extension. So how are we going to achieve those different things? So on the strength side, that's something that we've taken into account, right? Since we're looking more into, I don't want to say spinal engine stuff, but like basically, it's basically yeah. what it is, like oblique sling patterns yeah, and yeah. stuff like that, right? Where like the spine and the pelvis is, is your story, Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think even like another thing off of that, I think a lot of throwing coaches kind of get caught up in this idea that like everything, like the shoulders need to be super flat to the mound. The pelvis needs to be super flat to the mound, which is true. I think the, the pelvis does need to be super flat to the mound, or um, so, sorry, very in slope with the mound, right? To to then, you know, it just sets the pelvis up in a really, really clean way. But I think what kind of gets missed is the ability to side bend, right? We look at West, West throws a billion, right? And something that um, one of the athletes brought up to me is like, oh, like I thought we weren't supposed to, or I thought we weren't supposed to, mind you, everyone throws differently, so anything can really work. But um, he's like, I thought, you know, you don't want your pelvis to be, you know, tilted upwards when you're going down the mound, right? So it's like kind of opposite, right? Because generally speaking, that will set you up to then throw uphill. And I was explaining to him, I was like, well, yeah, that is completely true. But if you look at his pelvis, his pelvis is completely fat. He just has the ability to side bend really, really, really well. So the pelvis is flat. His obliques are very uh, mobile and malleable. Um, so he has the ability to side bend. And then as he gets into foot plant, the pelvis is still flat, that which then propels him back downhill. Um, but like, yeah, same sort of, sort of idea. It's just like the spinal engine, the whole piece of the spinal engine of like being able to side bend, side, or, um, you know, lateral flexion, all that good, good jazz. So when you hear a pitching coach talk about mechanics, mm -hmm. right, you have Johnny paying this guy $80 an hour to go work on pitching. Mm -hmm. Right. Like what kind of stuff are they talking about versus the mechanical aspect of what we're talking about? Yeah. I think they, they get too caught up in the fact that like, like mechanics are a weird topic. Cause I think mechanics are driven by like movement. Like you throw the way that you probably throw because number one, you either had a coach who taught you to do that and whether it's good or bad, cool. Um, you either compensate really, really, really well. Or number three, like you just don't move very well in general. So I think like what, what pitching coaches kind of work on is, is the simple stuff that they can kind of teach everybody, right? They don't look at teaching guys individually. They look at teaching guys in a very general fashion of like, okay, um, okay, here's some sort of things you want to see. You want to go up on the leg lift, down on the leg lift, and then out. You want to stay in like your little box, your little window, and travel down the mountain smoothly, right? But there's so many pieces to the throw. Um, that, and it's just different for everybody, right? Like uh, another example, right? West is someone who, you know, he has such great ranges of motion through his spine, through his pecs, his lats. Like he's so elastic. 
he can allow himself to be super long and he hits perfect ranges of motion in the throw, right? But that's because he's built that way, right? And the other side of that is like his skill level on the throwing side is absurdly is, is absurdly high. Um, but you have someone like Gage O'Brien um, who isn't very mobile. Like he's, he's kind of stiff as a board, but like he's, we have taught him well enough um, to kind of work with what he has um, for the time being. And like those mechanical changes that are, are going to come more so on Julian, I, Julian and myself's, um, you know, mobility stuff that we give him, right. Is, you know, giving him the movement options in other things other than throwing. And then when we get to the throwing stuff, when we get on his, you know, his, you know, his hybrid B days, recovery days, we can kind of push him a little bit into the positions we want him to feel, see if it feels really good. If it feels good, then we can, you know, let that stick a little bit and then overcue it, keep it rolling, keep it rolling. Um, and that's kind of exactly what we did with, with Gage. It's like, okay, his big thing, he gets super quaddy, which is not a problem at pitching coaches. Um, <laughs> it becomes a problem when the pelvis gets into anterior, anterior tilt. When you say anterior tilt, what do you mean by that? Pelvis dumping forward. Um, because, right, same idea, pelvis tilts forward. You get into early hip extension, the knee extends, you turn into a pushy back leg super, super early in the throw. You kill pelvic rotation, you can't block, you just have a whole, you can't send any energy up the chain. So, like, the big thing for him was, like, okay, super simple cue, hey, sit back and down towards, like, you're sitting in a chair, quite quite literally. Like, that was, I think, was the exact cue. Um, and for him, uh, at first, we, we I, know, I think we tried it, like, this first couple of weeks, and it was horrible. Um, we kind of started hammering just, like, hip mobility in general. Um, and then started like kind of playing with those positions again, like he's doing. So extension kills rotation. Yes, sir. Said that many times in my life. <laughs> um, biggest thing when when it comes to looking at a thrower, then like what's what's the biggest barrier to entry that you see of like a lead thrower to like a average thrower, right? Where we have a good amount of both here. Let's be honest, right? We have guys chasing to be great. We have guys uh, that are very, very good, and we have guys that are just trying to be better than shit. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. right. Everybody starts from somewhere. everybody starts somewhere. Whether that be a seven-year-old kid or even a big leaguer, right? Mm -hmm. There's always something we can do. What's the biggest difference you, you see? I hate to say the word mechanically, but like movement quality-wise, on your higher-end guys versus your moderate-end guys. Uh, hips and spine, I would say, like for the most part, hips and spine. But like, I mean, if we're really gonna, you know, say it, I would say like strength. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I guess that's not a mechanical answer, but like, if we're really looking at the biggest population of like guys who throw hard and don't, uh, you know, you're gonna have the outliers who provide, uh, produce, you know, crap force. But like, generally speaking, we look at the top three guys on our board; they all throw 95. Um, throw not not hit, but they sorry, sit. They, they sit 95. Yes. Right, and they are the highest producers of force in this place. Um, that's not the mechanical answer. I would say mechanical answer, just the same idea. Like, they're all, they're all athletes. Um, <laughs> just like these number ones. one is uh, my athlete, actually. No, it's not. It is gauge. It is gauge on the force output. On the force output. I'm talking about velocity. Okay, okay. Gosh, you got me there. <laughs> actually, you got me there. Actually, oh wait, never mind. I was gonna say West, but West doesn't. I'm curious to see what Wes would be on there. It's like 5K, like outlier, another, another outlier, right? Yeah, There's outliers. Yeah, you have, and you're going to have a lot of outliers, especially when you come to like a facility like us. Like, 
we have really freaking good players who are big leaguers. Like Walker produces, I mean, probably not phenomenal force. Like not not outlier force that that says, oh yeah, he's it's like fifty four, like, fifty five hundred. Like, How much does it weigh? That's not great. One ninety. Yeah. He's thick right now though. Yeah. He does look a little thick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Yeah, yeah, really good. Like muscly. Anyways, um, okay. Mechanically, mechanically, if we're talking bare bones, number one killer, I would say generally is just like not having the ability to rotate the femur in the pelvis, like just poor rear leg mechanics. Do they think about rotating the the pelvis around the femur then, or is like do you see a difference between those two on throwers, good throwers versus bad throwers? Not, no, so it's not the like, same thing, right? No, it's not. I, I would say like on a lead leg block, wouldn't you want the pelvis to rotate? Leg. Okay. Right. Okay. Lead leg blocking. Right. It's, yep. it's the pelvis rotating around the femur. Yep. I guess it's the same thing for the rear leg, but um, just like the ability to rotate, like rotate well, like and be able to segment well is the, I would say is the biggest thing. And it, it's cringe, right? We talk about hip shoulder separation all the time, but also being able to disassociate before the foot hits the ground the pelvis from the upper half. That is probably the biggest thing. So, so I mean, true hip solar separation is at foot strike, correct? Yes. Okay. But something that I look at a lot is the disassociation before that happens. Yes. Walker, West, Bradish, Dean do this, uh, Griff do this super well, right? They are essentially when the, the rear leg looks like it's spinning in towards, you know, propelling the hips open, the upper half is rotating back, right? So scap retraction, counter rotation, all that. That happens at a really clean, clean time. You get a lot of, then you get a lot of hip shoulder separation, and you know, generally third yard. Like I can say, I can give you a list of ten things right off the top of my head of what I would program for a guy with certain patterns, right? It depends on the guy. Like <laughs> spinal extension flexion, right? Patterns is like basic toe touch patterns. Yeah. So right, yeah, so. Um, segmental rolling patterns yep. on the supine exactly. of the kettlebell. Yeah. Um, even like a, a hanging segmentation, um, you know, any kind of putting the pelvis into posterior tilt. Yeah. You know, um, depends on the athlete, but yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, um, so <laughs> made myself look really bad there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm nervous, um, man. So there's like, I, I take a lot of stuff from like, uh, his name is Kevin Foster's, um, his javelin anatomy on Instagram. He's a really smart man. Um, but like, so he has a, a book called Technical Foundations, and I use a lot of the stuff that he talks about. It, basically, just movement exploration is a big piece. Um, so, generally speaking, like on most, well, actually, it's most of the time it's six days a week for all of the throwers. Um, they'll usually do it before bed, but uh, or really whenever they can get in, spend about 20 minutes to go through different movements. Um, this can range from really anything. Uh, a lot of the, the key movements that we try and hit are um, being able to do the side splits, the front splits. Um, we have like a back bend day, a hanging day, uh, a thrower stretch day. So we're basically just trying to hit a bunch of movements that we deem necessary as important in the throw. Um, and we have a, a set of drills. Well, I mean, not a set. We have literally probably 50 drills per, um, per option of day. Uh, and then I'll kind of program that in to their, uh, nightly routine or morning routine. Um, but same idea is just like hitting those positions getting comfortable in those positions, whether it's spending time in the positions or moving throughout them, uh, just getting them cozy with feeling what that that sort of feels like. A, a lot of segmented cat cows, you can do, you know, 
I mean, that's just a spine, for example, but, but stuff like that. Um, and then we'll do look super, super low effort med ball work of quite literally trying to feel lower half go first, upper half follow, um, feeling soup, uh, end ranges of, of, you know, like some dribbles, rotation. some dribble stuff. And yeah, yeah. Just all that, all that good jazz. So go, go into like, let's talk about the strength side of things now, right? Where you said they need to be strong as piss. We're also talking about how they need to be super mobile, super mobile mm-hmm. right? So like, I think it's, I mean, which one is it? You need them both. Right. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, sorry. going, going off that, it's like, which one is it? It's at the end of the day, like I just did a presentation on this other day, like mm-hmm. strength is king, right? <clears throat> so without strength, without strength, we want stability. Yeah. Without stability, we won't recreate strength. Without strength, we won't create power, mm-hmm. right? So strength is the number one thing that we need to chase, right? Yeah. Um, especially the correlation of like peak power and velocity yeah. that we see on the, mm-hmm. on the force plates. So there's a, w- a good way to train, right? But say we could go very general in the weight room if we're doing these skill side specific patterns pre-throw. Yeah. Would you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. As long as they're biasing towards, I hate that word, but as long as they're going getting into different positions, not giving them excess ER, mm-hmm. right? Not giving them um, different positions where they don't really, aren't going to help their performance, right? right? Like AKA sumo deadlift, for example, right? Um, in my opinion, I did it. I just, that's the reason I said that is because I did a presentation on this the other day, right? Um, you know, it's just pushing ER, pushing ER, pushing ER on guys that need to live essentially in IR, you know? Um, but you're also creating short levers and there's a bunch of good reasons for it, like adductor strength and blah, blah, blah. Right. But you know, there's other ways to chase that too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, going off that is like, would like what, where do you look at guys like their most strength and stability portion of their body is on a good thrower? Does that make sense? So like pelvic yeah. stability, core stability. I'd say single leg stability. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard because like it all matter. It all matters. Right? Yeah. Like, I just want to say you can't generalize it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think it, it, I think it just depends so heavily on which guy, like mm-hmm. I can name five off the head. Like it's for them a single leg stability, like Griff's block is bizarre. And like his, you know, his ability, his pelvic stability, single leg stability is just through the roof, right? But um, we've been training that for 10 years. 10 years. Right. Um, with that with that purpose in mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it just depends. I, I think, I don't know, I, I, it, everywhere, everywhere. Scapular stability, scapular mobility, uh, all of it. All of it, really. How do you create scapular stability slash mobility? You personally. I, I want to uh, know. This is a real, yeah. real question. Um. Really, just I mean, like it sounds silly, but like we do like a ton of handstand work. We do a ton of um, crawling patterns, uh, weighted crawls. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's we don't really get too fancy with it. It doesn't really need to be, but like being able to carry your body weight and more um, is really. I mean, important. we we legit cleaned up Cade. I'll say his name, Cade Meckles, yeah. like his shoulder issue by handstands and crawls. Yeah. literally, that's it. That's what cured his shoulder issue. For the last what how long do you have that there like over a year over a year yeah. right and it was just it took us what three weeks of crawling yeah. and handstand work yeah and then you saw the pt after that but once we cleaned it up it was like wow it was yeah. just hangs too yeah hang a lot of hangs weighted hangs i mean yeah. a big one that we've been doing for a lot of the throwers just like 
super, super heavy weighted hangs, heavy active weighted hangs, you know. Um, yeah. You ever seen a monkey with a uh, hurt shoulder? Because I haven't. <laughs> the greatest analogy I've ever heard in my life. That is by it's far so the true. dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. You haven't seen, have seen a monkey pull down a banana at 114? <laughs> <laughs> so you ever seen a cheetah warm up? Warming up, imagine. So, what questions do you have based off this? Oh, and I know, I know your mind is twitching right now. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of my stuff is like, how do you? It's all athlete dependent, right? But like, if you have somebody who has a posture that's maybe more T spine flexed, kyphotic. Yeah, yeah, like a more kyphotic posture. Besides trying to get them out of an anterior dump is there anything on the top half that you try to clean up that maybe crawls won't get to yeah I, uh well like that's the thing though like there are there have been a ton of throwers who are like just living a lot of flexion but somehow you know we put them in like a back bend position and just What's well, easier? Like, it's easier to go from flexion into good extension than from going from extension into yeah, more extension Right, I'm battling that with somebody else that we already said on this podcast under his name, but lives in extension, loves extension, loves extension. But it's like, bro, we got to get you into flexion because a lot of shit is gonna get pissed off, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, going off of that, like, you see more throwers live in flexion than you do extension. And truthfully, a slightly kyphotic, if not an extreme kyphotic posture, is not even a bad thing. Yeah. Right. Look at the best athletes. Look at Michael Phelps, LeBron James. Right, all these dudes there, they're hunched over as can be. Yep. And yeah, it's just being able to go from one plane to the other in, in a throw. Right, you need to go from flexion into extension, and that allows for a lot of range of motion. If you're already in flexion, you have so much room to go into extension back into a stable position yes. of flexion. Therefore, you you have like a lot of a lot of um, potential energy. Right, so you're you're gaining that range of motion yeah. and working through true ranges of motion versus jamming somebody in extension when actually they just need more flexion in their in their throw or in their posture versus giving them more extension patterns. That makes sense. I, I would say the hardest, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I would say the hardest ones to work with are the ones who have like extremely flat spines. Yes. Like if they have a very flat spine, they're probably going to get into like some good extension. But they are not going to be able to transfer. Or they might be at end range extension too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I look at uh, one of the high school kids we have here. Um, you know, he has he is he is in the most thoracic extension I have ever seen in anyone. Um, and when he goes to you know throw a ball, there is no flexion that occurs, zero, like none. Um, and like that has been a problem. It looks beautiful when he gets into extension and throws, beautiful. But the transfer of energy is just the arm it's propelling forward. It's not, there's no, you know, there's none of the, there's no sequencing really throughout the, like the rotational piece of the spine. So, interesting. And then we've talked a lot, Andrew, I know you and I have talked a lot about like throwing different, we're going to shift gears here, but throwing different pitches the same way, right? So like a fastball and a slider should be thrown with the same intent. The only thing that changes is wrist position. Um, is it harder to get somebody to get into pronation or supination from your experience? Uh, pronation, I would say, but like also depends on the dude. I would right. say I've seen way more guys be able to supinate it absurdly well. 
than guys who can throw that really, really well. Yeah. And then, but, yeah. I mean, you also got to look at like elbow extension, right? Guys who lack elbow extension are going to lack pronation. So those guys probably can't throw a changeup well, right? So we have to give them a different pitch, right? Or chase el- greater elbow extension through tricep work or crawling patterns or hang patterns or carries or whatever it may be, PT, <laughs> you know? Um, but, you know, a lot of things you can do is, like, take that into account. Like, hey, like, I used to – I have a good changeup. Let's take Webby, for example. Good changeup, right? Pretty good pretty good pronation, right, on, on his fastball, on his, on his changeup, all those. So what we do is we continually make sure his check marks are, his elbow extension is good. You know, has he actually lacks a little bit of elbow extension, but his pronation is still so good. So we're still chasing, like, in his warm-up, we'll do tricep extension with a pronated, pronation patterns to load it up. So to build, to build it up, to build that field, to build that kind of adaptability in the muscle and allowing that joint to get extended. Yeah. It's weird though. Cause like every pitch that's really thrown is, you know, happens with like supination, you know, like look at sliders, look at really any, any pitch like pronation happens, you know, quite a bit after. So I think it's more so more important that they are able to supinate than do anything else. So you can, you can manipulate a pitch to, you know, to run, even if you can't uh, pronate very well. Um, but I mean, then again, you know, it, it just all depends. It, it all, all depends on guys. There's been so many that I can name off the top. Well, it's of just wrist, wrist stability. Yeah, just like right? knowing what your knowing what your wrist yeah. is doing, what your fingers are doing, what pressure you're at the ball, where your thumbs at. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's tons of different factors on that aspect. But going off of that too, like what's, what's you know, looking at little leaguers like. Don't throw a curveball. You're going to mess up your arm. Actually, no, that curveball is totally fine. It's the pronation patterns that actually hurt you. Yeah. Um, it's not understanding where your elbows are. Exactly. Like, this doesn't hurt. This hurts, right? Yeah. But you can do it on yourself. Like, it doesn't it – feels, it feels fine to supinate, but it hurts more to pronate. Yeah, facts. Right? So, facts. So, like, these, these kids – <laughs> 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 Don't get me started on the little, little league talk again. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just like knowing what the athlete by it like plays into. You know what yeah. I mean? And how they're positioned posturally will determine exactly where we can. If you look back, listen back to some of our old, older podcasts, like the presentation over the thorax and the pelvis, right? If you're a wide versus narrow, tells you like flexion or lateral flexion, excuse me, versus a rotation guy. So lateral flex guys. You'll see more lateral, like better guys with lateral tilt. They they get better right on their fastball. Guys with better rotation throw more two seamers, right? So just their basic um, rib cage structure is going to show that right off the bat. You can kind of dictate what kind of pitcher they're going to be. Very cool. Why are you making so much noise, man? Sorry. <laughs> what do you got on that, Julian? Probably nothing because you. You, nervous. You. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'm nervous. Too, dude. Dude, like, I'll be honest. I, I, yeah, I've never done a podcast in my life and my hands are sweating. The and I'm, they I'm can't with, see you. Dude, yeah, you can't see me, but it's like I'm hanging out with you guys every single day. And then the first day that I'm here, I'm like, God, I feel like doing podcast. Yeah, exactly. I completely get it. Yeah. Nah, it's fine. Yeah, I feel good. This one, this one feels good. Yeah. Because this is a normal conversation, but we got idiot boy over here yeah, that doesn't know. But he's, but he's smart as a. Anyone. I'm just yeah, nervous as hell. Except when that mic is staring at him. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do for? Uh, okay. Okay. Can you give me a break? For spinal, <laughs> so spinal hygiene stuff. 
I give it. I have Andrew. I do it. Well, I was, I was, I was more talking about purely like the skill aspects of things with that. You just put me on the spot, man. And like, can we take him off payroll, Ashley, please. <laughs> All right. Staring at me in the face, and I'm like, no, what do I say? Right, though. Really right, though. Like, the actual skill aspect of segmenting the spine probably should be a down on my end. But like, yeah, like, I mean, you do it for all of the guys in trains. Like, just be pure flexion, extension, mobility, the ability to get into those positions. You know, you hammer it. You know what you're doing. So. It's nerve wracking with that mic just staring at you. It is. I'm just, I, I went through a weird period of time where I, was, I would talk to the mic. Like, I'm looking at the mic talking to it. It was strange. <laughs> You've done a good job today, bro. Yeah. You killed it, truly. This podcast wouldn't be anything without you today, Andrew. I, I know it's funny. I, I just drank coffee, like, you know, like, an hour before this. It just started kicking in as we were rolling. I went to the bathroom right there, like, 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I just realized I had so much, I have so much more to talk about. I don't know if we do it on this podcast. Like, I have what kind of stuff? What, where are we at? How much time we got? We're at 35. Oh, we got, we got 15 minutes. Unless you want to just do a short podcast. Just keep asking. Let's just keep the conversation going. I'll, 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 we can, this, this What's deserves another. What's on your mind? This deserves a different episode, I can assure you. What's it about? Just give us it's a about feet. weighted baseballs. Okay. I like it. Oof. Weighted balls and how to manipulate them and just new info about. And just throwing light, throwing balls. light balls and only. And throwing heavy balls only. That's one piece of it. That's one piece of it. Yeah. I've been on that train for a long time. It's because you're the smartest man in, in the world. That's not room. true. It is. True. No, it's not true. It is. You're big brain. Big brain. It's not he true. Is. He, has, he does have a lot of answers. Yeah. That's all made up, bro. <laughs> Why do you think I'm here right now? <laughs> Rawl gave me the, the greatest. He's like, the greatest coach I ever had was he considered himself the tri coach. And I'm like, dude, that's facts. Try until it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. Time to go next. I mean, that's, you got to think how long I've been trying for. 12 years. Be, huh? 14 years to be yeah, so it's a long time of failure too right. you know so one thing i did we'll go off that topic though one thing i tried and tried with guys like guys that are super hyper mobile as i like, started banging lighter plyos mm-hmm. and their and their elbow like health got way better yeah right and their elbow extension got better and the guy rj davis for example right i wouldn't let him throw for a while until we did a lot more like Gun show, yeah, yeah, gun yeah. show. Like we literally just did gun show with RJ. He's very hyper mobile, yeah. moved very well. Um, you know, I wouldn't. I say, hey, we're gonna bang the gray ball, and you know, it just pisses off your elbow. Bang the gray ball, made it feel better. Yeah. Did it with somebody else who was very hyper mobile. I was like, damn, this is might be into something. Yeah. You know, then you have guys that only throw heavy balls that got good results, and you have guys that only throw light balls. So I'm very interested. On this topic. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest piece is like, uh, you know, if none of the balls piss you off, there's a really, really good way. That's to different, yes, it. yes. Yeah, if none of the balls piss you off, there's there's a really, you're a lucky dog because we can do some cool stuff. Well, that and also it's just like, are you chasing strength or are you chasing RSI, right? Are you chasing like rapid, like reactive strength or are you, tra- or are you chasing absolute strength, right? Guys that are chasing reactive strength or are good at reactive strength are going to be more guys that throw lighter balls better guys that are strong as piss throw the heavier balls better yeah right generally yeah. generally yeah. so you just got to know what yeah. what bucket those kids fall into I, I dude the weirdest one that happened uh i can't remember who was it it was a high school kid he we did like his test day he threw a, he was throwing like the blue ball and the red this kid's like five nine hundred and forty five pounds he's throwing the blue ball and the red ball like 
I'm like so hard, but his yellow and gray ball sucked. And I was like, I know this kid's not strong. And like, obviously it's a very horrible generalization, but like, you know, you, you generally think about it, like the smaller cats who move like are super whippy or into the light bulb as well. Um, but like for this kid, then Weird. Outliers. Super, yeah, outliers. We have Outlier. those everywhere. Yeah. But that's also what makes good baseball players. Yeah, facts. So, Don, what other questions you got? Uh, you're just, the question guy. I guess. That's why you're here. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, <laughs> so, going back to the hitting side, this one's for Julian. I'm leaving. Let me get ready. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Don't let me panic. What's the so we kind of talked about the flexion extensions, final motor as far as uh, pitching is involved. Is there any major differences when you go to the other side of the plate and you're hitting? What's the biggest difference between the two? Is there a difference? Not really, in like the sequencing of it. Really, honestly, like with the back leg, kind of like that. It's like similar loading in the rear leg, kind of like with the throw. Quite honestly, the most common thing that I've seen, the biggest problem with kids is when you get into crazy lateral flexion. Okay. When kids like dip and they try and match the ball right yeah. here, I'm like, I'm doing the action right now. So you see, this is why I'm nervous. <laughs> but more than anything, it's just like with that, it's honestly not that similar, sim not that different with like the sequencing of it. But have you seen that video with Josh Donaldson? How he got a backhand up the third baseline, it was throwing to first versus his swing. Have you seen that oh, yeah, video? Yeah, literally, identical. I, literally identical. Right, right, right. Right, it's right. literally the identical. It's a, it was when he played for the A's. Yeah, it's a very cool video. It's all over Twitter if you want to look at it. But maybe we can get Ashton to paste paste it on the uh, on the notes. But um, yeah, so go there ahead. isn't really a major difference between. Not really, honestly. I mean, the biggest biggest thing you see is like that excessive lateral mm -hmm. tilt, right? Mm -hmm. And then. Dropping that back. Dropping that. Or, or one-piece swings. That's, like, the yeah. biggest thing that I've seen. Specifically, mainly, honestly, with the high school kids, because, like, not a lot of them have learned the sequencing of the swing. Right. So everything moves in one piece. Kind of, like, spinning like a top. Yeah. And, like, a ton of kids, because of the, the reasons why they do that, is because they're trying to chase the big exit velos. Like, they're trying to destroy the baseball. And, like, a big way they think they can get there is with their upper half. And that's like the big thing they need to learn is they need to dissociate their upper half of their lower. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the time, kids of the younger ages don't know how to do that. Yeah. So honestly, it's pretty simple with that. Just like learning how to like putting them in different positions. So a lot of the time with the younger kids, I start them with their lower half starting way before their hands and I keep their hands way back. I've done that with Easton actually a few times and Easton's already, we Easton's a, he oh, did man, have he did have a decent one piece swing, but like lately it's been better, way better, mm -hmm. right? And you can see those extensions getting better. He's not cutting the ball, but and his barrel isn't casting out a good his body. A good cue I I use when I hit would be like take my front shoulder to my back hip to separate it, right? So I'm separating the two, and then that way the pelvis goes, and I'm kind of holding that, holding the pelvis to go forward, my back shoulder or my front shoulder staying closed essentially. Um, just cues on hitting. I don't know how that came up, but yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah. But yeah. Star nerds. I apologize. No, you did. <laughs> okay, you did. Okay, okay. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
See, this is the thing that bugs me. It's like, I'm with you guys 24 hours a day. I'll shoot the shit with you all day. And then right when the camera's on, I'm like, crap. Well, you actually have to show that you're decently smart right now versus know, just nerve faking it. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else you got, Dalton? Oh, God. I should have prepped questions. Um, I don't know. What don't I know? I don't know. We all don't know a lot, bro. I don't know yeah. a lot. I've showcased that today. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. Nerve wracking. We're, we're constantly learning, you know? Nerve wracking. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I think, I think we could call it quits there. Are you sure? I think. Are you sure? I mean, do you have anything else to say, Andrew? I have a whole lot to say, but I have nothing. It's it's all it's, it's off topic. Questions are you that, are you taking notes for next no, podcast? I was on, I was on Discord oh. um, to check my gaming channel. Yes. What's your gaming tag? I can't. I can't. I can't, oh, no. I can't expose myself. <laughs> I, I actually cannot expose myself. Instagram came out, or uh, some AI came out with a uh, what gamers will look like in twenty years. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Like, like that. You walk like it. <laughs> Use this, yeah. and then their yeah. heads just yeah. compressed, and they have freaking cankles. <laughs> they have a compressed, yeah. Thing, but all right. Well, anyways, Andrew's a gamer. Find him on all PC compatibility. What I don't even know what the hell you play. So, catch me on Fortnite. Oh, all I got. All right, I think we're good.